I want to talk about freedom, and you know, as great as the freedom is that we enjoy here in the United States of America, um, it's really just temporary, because someday all governments will cease to exist, and uh, the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ lasts for all of eternity. And I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ. And this morning I want to talk to you about three aspects of our freedom in Christ. And uh, number one is this. The number one aspect of our freedom is the need for freedom. The need for freedom. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have sinned. All have failed. Failure is a universal problem. All people have sinned. We've all failed in some way. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, it's our human nature to sin. And to illustrate this, you could just go down to our two-year-old room and uh, where our little two-year-olds are, and you could peek in on there just for a moment, and, and you see a little two-year-old boy maybe, that, and I'm thankful for our two-year-olds, I'm thankful for our teachers and our volunteers that make it happen for them. But you see, you'd see a two-year-old boy maybe playing with a toy, and you see maybe another two-year-old boy will come up and take that toy away, and it's on right there. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know... They get bent out of shape, angry, you know, selfish. And it's something you don't have to even, we don't have to teach that to our kids. It's our human nature to be sinful. It's our human nature to be selfish. It's our human nature to fail. And even to do some, some pretty stupid things, some bonehead type things. When I was seven years old, I want to tell you about something that I did. I failed big time. And I did something that was, was really a bonehead thing. Um, here's what I did. When I was seven years old, I picked up a squirrel and it bit me on the finger. Exactly. That's a, you know, I was a seven-year-old boy, and I have no idea what I was thinking. Here's what happened. I was, I was uh, in fact, today, I, we have a picture of the squirrel that bit me on the finger today. Right there. Look at that thing. Actually, that's not really the squirrel. The squirrel that bit me had bigger teeth, man. It was foaming at the mouth. It was like, Ugh. But anyway, well, here's how, here's how it happened. One day, I was riding my bike down the sidewalk, and um, I see this squirrel walking across the street. So I get off my bike and I, and, and I walk up behind the squirrel. And normally when you walk up behind squirrels, when, when my experience had been that the squirrel would run away. Well, that particular day, I don't know why that squirrel didn't run away, but it didn't run away. And I walked up right behind it and I picked the squirrel up. Not a lot of common sense there for a seven-year-old boy. I picked that squirrel up. I have no idea what I was thinking that, you know, maybe I was going to take it home and make it a pet and cuddle with it. I, I have no idea what I was thinking. I picked that thing up. It latched onto my finger and I start, I remember shaking my finger. The thing was hanging on my finger. It was like looking up at me as was, you know, I'm hanging, shaking this thing, trying to get off my finger. Finally fell off my finger. I mean, I'm bleeding. I'm crying. I get on my bike and I ride my bike back to the house. I come in the front door and I'm crying. I'm bleeding all over the place. And my parents, you know, what's going on? And they start running water under, start taking care of, of my finger. And, and this was my natural reaction. When I calmed down, they said, what happened? My natural instinct was to cover up my stupidity. I was embarrassed. So here's what I told my parents. I said, I was riding my bike down the sidewalk. I fell off my bike a squirrel jumped out from behind the tree and bit me on the finger. It's the truth. 
It was just natural, man, just to to sin, to cover up my stupidity, to make up a lie. It came natural to me. You see, failure is a part of life. Nobody's perfect at anything. We've all failed. And there may be some of you, and there may be somebody today that, man, you you, you think you're perfect. Man, you're you're trying to live up to this perfect image. And I want to clue you in on something. You're not perfect. In fact, everybody else already knows you're not perfect. So you might as well admit it. You see, we're not perfect. We have all sinned. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You see, because of our sin, because of our failure, we had a problem. We're separated. We were separated from God. We were separated from God, and we had a death sentence upon our lives. There was nothing that we could do. We couldn't buy our way out of it to freedom. We couldn't earn our way to freedom. There was nothing we could do. We're, we're in bondage because we're separated from God because of our sin. We had a death sentence upon our lives. But I'm thankful to announce to you today that God paid a price for our freedom. He paid the price. And it goes on to say in Romans 6:23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, we need freedom. All of mankind, every single person here in this room this morning, in this auditorium, you and I have an incredible need for freedom. The second aspect of freedom that I want to share with you are the benefits of freedom. And I'm going to share two benefits, and this certainly is not an exhaustive list. It's just a couple things that I want to share with you today. Benefits of freedom. Number one is this. We have freedom in Christ. The freedom that we have in Christ brings freedom from our past failures, brings freedom from our past failures. There may be some of you in this room this morning that you know you failed. You know you've messed up. And your problem is this. You are not able to move forward. You're letting the past control you. You're letting your past failures control you. And you're not able to move forward and you're not able to be free today. I have good news for you today. Your failure is not fatal. Your failure is not fatal. Why do people have such a hard time of letting go of the past and moving forward from their past failures? Here it is. Because they believe a lie about themselves. They believe a lie. Here's the lie. They they believe this, that their past failure defines them in their present situation. And they believe that lie that their past uh, defines them in their presence. It it goes down like this, the the lie, man. Remember when you cheated. And you were a cheater in the past. Remember when you cheated. Guess what? You're not going to amount to anything. You've cheated in the past. You're going to be a cheater for the rest of your life. You see, that's a lie that we buy into. Maybe you lied to your family in the past and, and, and you're trying to move on and, and, and you just can't move on. And you say, man, you're buying in that lie. Man, remember when you lied in the past. Man, you, you're such a liar. You're not going to amount to anything. You're not going to move forward. You will always be a liar. You see, you need to know this today. We need to know this, that our past does not define our present. We need to stop believing the lies from our past and start believing the truth. What does God say about you today? What does God say about me today? What's the truth? What does God say about us today? You see, John chapter 8 and verse 32 says this, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Some of you today, you're you're controlled by your past. You're not able to be free and you need to know the truth. What does God say about you today? Here's the truth. 
First John chapter one and verse nine. Here's the truth today. It says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the truth is this. Yes, maybe you've sinned, but when you come to Christ and you confess your sin, the truth is this. You are clean. You are pure. He forgives you of your sin. He washes it away. You are pure before him today. That's the truth. You see, the truth is this. John chapter 8 and verse 36 says, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son sets you free, you are truly free. You need to, you need to get a hold of that truth. You need to believe the truth about yourself today. Man, Jesus Christ, when you come to him and he sets you free, you don't have to live under the condemnation and the guilt of the past because he has set you free and you are truly free today through Christ Jesus. See, here's the truth today. The truth is Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Here's the truth. God is for you today. God is on your side today. He's for you. He's in your corner. He's got your back. He is for you today. And if God is for us, who can be against us? We can overcome anything, including our past failures. The truth is this. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. The truth is this. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The truth is this today. Hear me. You are a champion because of what Christ has accomplished in you and through you. You are a champion. You can overcome. You can overcome your past. You can overcome the present. Your past does not have to define you. You can overcome today because of what Christ has accomplished. The truth today. God is for you. Believe the truth, man. Don't believe the lies. Believe the truth. God is for you. He's forgiven you of your past. And he wants you to have a great future. See, hear me today. Your past does not define you. Man, I'm so thankful for that. Your past does not define you. Your past does not determine your destiny. You say, well, Troy, that's great. But what if I fail? Some people, man, they, they, they let go of their past, but they're afraid. They're, you know, they're held captive because they're afraid they're going to fail again. You just know, man, you're going to mess up again. What if I fail? What if I fail and, and, and it's keeping you from being free? Here, here it is, Proverbs 24 and verse 16. What if I fail? Listen to this. The godly may trip seven times. The godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. Everybody say, get up again. The godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. You may fail. You may mess up. You may make a mistake, but you get up again. You come before God. You ask for forgiveness. You confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. You get up again and you move forward. You see, great people are ordinary people who have an extraordinary amount of determination. They know that you are never a failure unless you quit. Unless you quit, don't allow your past failures to be a prison that prevents you from realizing the amazing potential that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Don't allow it to happen. Man, move forward. Get up again. Man, I read the Bible. I read the Bible and I read about some incredible people that had a horrible past. 
I read about some people who messed up. And you think about Moses. You go way back in the Old Testament. Moses. Moses was a murderer. Yet Moses went on to lead God's people out of captivity. Moses went on to receive the Ten Commandments right from God himself. Moses was a murderer, but and he failed. But guess what? He got up again. And he moved forward. I think of David. David was an adulterer. Man, he committed adultery and a bunch of other things too. But David, man, he failed big time. But David, the Bible says he went on to be a man after God's own heart because David didn't wallow in his failure, but he got up again and he moved forward in what God had for him. I think of a guy named Saul or, and became Paul in the New Testament. Man, he was persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians because of their faith in Christ. And then he has an encounter with God. God sets him free. And Saul, Paul, did not, he didn't wallow in his failure, but he moved forward. He got up again and God used him to, to literally write half the New Testament. You see, you can move forward. All these people, they failed. They had something in common. They failed, but they also got up again. They didn't live in the past. They didn't allow their past to be a present prison. They moved forward. Listen today, People's Church, if you don't let your past die, then it won't let you live. You need to hear that. If you don't let your past die, then it won't let you live. Man, I'm so thankful that God has set me free. I'm so thankful. One of the benefits of the freedom in Christ is we are free from our past failures. Another benefit is this. We have freedom to live an abundant life that God has planned for you and I. We have freedom to live the abundant life that God has planned for you and I. You see, you have been set free. I've been set free. If you've come to Christ, you've been set free so that you can stay free and so that you can live free. But it's sad that sometimes, man, I think that sometimes we forget this. God sets us free. And then we go back to the very thing that God set us free from. We go back and get involved in that. And somehow we think, oh, it's going to be different. Somehow, ironically, we think, man, it's, it, you know, it's not going to affect us. It's going to be different. And what happens is we jeopardize our freedom and we get bound again by the thing that God set us free from. Maybe God sets you free today, but you're, you find yourself uh, going back to other things. Maybe it's going back to an adulterous relationship. God sets you free and you've gone back to that. Maybe God sets you free from greed and, and you've allowed yourself to go back to greed. Maybe God sets you free from anger and bitterness and, and over time you've allowed yourself to go back to that. And it's jeopardizing your freedom. I have news for you today. Listen real good. God has something better for you and I. He has something better. It's called an abundant life. He has something better. Listen to this scripture. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says this. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Isn't that awesome? God's called you to a free life. Now it goes on to say, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and to destroy your freedom. You see, we need to be very careful. God sets us free. Don't use your freedom just to do whatever you want to do. And then you jeopardize the freedom that he's brought to your life. You see, we're not set free so that we could do whatever we want to do. We are set free so that we can become everything that he wants us to become so that we can live that abundant life in him. 
I think a great example of this is from John chapter 8. You can read this story later on today. I'll just tell you the story. But in John chapter 8, there was a woman who, who had committed sin. She had committed adultery. And back in that day, according to the law, she was to be killed for her sin. And this angry mob of people, they dragged this woman out and they, they brought her before Jesus. These religious people, man, religious people can be mean sometimes. I don't know if you knew that. But they brought, these, they brought this woman before Jesus. They threw her to the ground. And they were all holding these rocks. And they were getting ready to stone this woman to death. And they were trying to trap Jesus. And, and Jesus kind of looks at this angry mob and, 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 and he calls out to them. He says, hey, the first one, the one who has not committed any sin... Let him be the first one to cast a stone. The perfect person here, let him be the one to throw the stone. Well, they all kind of looked at each other, and then one by one, maybe they started to drop these stones, you know, and they're all bent out of shape, you know, kicking dirt as they go and all this kind of stuff, and they walk away. And then Jesus kneels beside this broken woman who had been hurting. She'd been living a sinful life. She'd been living apart from God and separated from God. And Jesus kneels beside this woman and he says, lady, where are your accusers? She kind of picks herself up, looks around. She doesn't see anybody around. Jesus says to her, he says, neither do I condemn you. And then he goes on to say this, this is the most important part. He says this, go and leave your life of sin. Here's what he's saying to her. He's saying, hey, you're forgiven. Your past is gone. But don't, you don't have to live in this path, in this lifestyle anymore. I have something better for you. There's something greater for you. Go and leave this life of sin. I have an abundant life for you. This morning, the message is this. God sets us free. He wants to set you free. Maybe he has set you free today. Don't go back to that old way. Don't go back to that way of life. He has something better for you. He has an abundant life for you and I. And I'm so thankful for that today. So this morning, we've we've seen the need for freedom. We've seen the benefits for freedom. And finally, I want to talk to you about this. The cost of freedom. The cost of our freedom. We're keenly aware today that the freedom that we enjoy here in this country came with an incredible price. People fought an incredible fight for this freedom. There's literally hundreds of thousands of people who have lost their lives over the years fighting for the freedom that we have here in this nation. And I want to let you know this. Jesus Christ fought a fight for you, for your freedom. He fought for your freedom. He paid an incredible price for your freedom and for my freedom from sin. Listen to the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, that Christ suffered for our sins. Everybody say suffered. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death. But he was raised to life in the spirits. You see, Jesus Christ fought a fight for us. He suffered for you and I. I think sometimes we, we kind of get this mindset that, oh, Jesus, he had to do it. He was, he was the son of God. He had to do it. This is the way it was supposed to be. And we kind of, we kind of romanticize the whole thing and just like, oh, it's, this is the way it was supposed to be. He just had to do it. He just went ahead and did what he was supposed to do. I want you to know it was a fight. It was a fight. 
Matthew chapter 26, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was to be crucified on the cross. And he comes before his father and, and, and it goes down like this. He says to his father, he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Father, God, I feel like I'm going to die right now. He was, there was fear, there was anxiety, there was stress, and he was coming before his father to share his heart. He said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And then three times he asked his father this question. He says, if there's, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Here's what he was saying. He's saying, if, if there's any other way, I want that way. He's saying, hey, is there a plan B? Is there a plan B? Because if there's a plan B, I want plan B. I don't want to go to the cross. You see, it was a fight. Man, the emotional, the mental fight that as he comes before his father and, and ultimately Jesus says these words. He said, yet it's not my will, but it's your will be done. He makes that decision to go to the cross. He fought that fight for you and I. This, this morning, you need to know this. He fought for you. He fought for you. He fought for your freedom today. About 10 years ago, my wife Jessica and I went to a Cub Cardinal baseball game in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, I'm a Cub fan. I know you're going to feel pity for me right now because of that. But we went to this Cub Cardinal baseball game. And I bought tickets at the beginning of the year for this game. It was on Labor Day Monday. And I had no idea the implications of this game at the time. It ended up being the season that Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa had that home run battle and trying to break Roger Maris's record. And actually, that game on that day, Mark McGuire tied Roger Maris's record for the most home runs. And we were there that day to, to watch that game. But I remember that day we, we drove up to Bush Stadium in St. Louis and, and uh, my wife and I, we had our, our little baby with us. She was our oldest. She was not quite two years old at the time. And, and, um, you know, I remember that day thinking, oh my goodness, I got to carry all this stuff, like a diaper bag and, you know, you know, all that stuff that goes with babies, you know, you know, you have to pack for like a month to go to a baseball game, that kind of thing. And, and so, and it's super hot outside and, and I'm sweating and, and up to that point, every baseball game I'd ever gone to, I brought my glove because I was hoping that I'd catch a foul ball. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And that particular day, I remember as we're getting all the stuff out of the car we get the baby and the stroller and the, and the diaper bag and all this kind of stuff. And I remember looking inside the car and I saw my baseball glove. And I remember having this thought, it won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. I'm not going to catch a fly ball. There's no foul ball that's going to come to me. It won't happen to me. So we go to the baseball game and we have great seats along the first baseline. And, and all of a sudden it's about halfway during the game and a foul ball is hit. And I'm looking up at this foul ball and I'm thinking, man, it looks like that's coming to me. And I'm kind of watching this really high and I'm kind of watching a little bit longer. And I'm like, it really looks like it's coming to me. So I dropped the baby. <clears throat> no, I didn't do that. I'm just playing. I'm kind of bracing myself. I'm ready for this fly ball. And I have my hands out. And, and I'm right underneath this fly ball. 
and the ball goes right through my two hands. It hits me on the foot. It bounces forward. It goes under the seat in front of me. There was a little old lady sitting right in front of me. She never got up, didn't, didn't do anything. She just sat right there. The ball rolls. She puts her foot on top of the ball, and she claimed that ball for herself. I was so mad. I stole that ball. From, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But I thought it couldn't happen to me. There's no way a, fl- a foul ball is going to come to me. I left my glove, and I didn't catch the foul ball. There's some here today, maybe you've heard all your life, you've heard that Jesus Christ fought for you. You've heard that Jesus died on the cross for you. Maybe, maybe this is brand new to you. You've come today and, and this is maybe for the first time you're hearing this message that Jesus Christ fought for your freedom, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your freedom. But maybe today you're, you have a tough time, you, you understand that, but you have a tough time believing that he actually would do it for you. You think, oh, that's fine, he died on the cross, he fought for the pastor, or he fought for my grandma, she was a godly person, or he fought for that little old lady down the street who, who loved God, but there's no way he would fight for me, there's no way he did it for me, and you're having a tough time internalizing that and taking it for yourself. You say, man, Troy, if you knew my past, if you know, if you've known what I've done in the past, there's no way he did it for me. You don't know what I've done, how bad I've been. I want you to know today that nobody is perfect. None of us deserve it. It is only by his grace and mercy he fought for your freedom today. He fought for you. He paid the price for you. You see, we have an incredible need. We need freedom. We need freedom. There's, there's amazing benefits. We're free from our past. We, we're free to live an abundant life in Christ that he has for us. And, and most of all today, we understand this. He fought for you and I. Let's bow our heads just for a moment.